I'm Zach. I teach middle school, and my disdain for Andrew Tate comes from the fact that I see middle school boys idolize his example of affluence as well as kind of the martyrdom of being a man. I love Andrew Tate because he's managed to get a reaction out of just about everyone. It's hilarious. Like, he's trolling the entire world. I mean, just open a bag of popcorn and enjoy the show. I just think that his messaging is very toxic. So I specifically don't like Andrew Tate because of the rape and human trafficking allegations. What I do respect about him is that he's inspiring a young generation, especially of men. He's allowing them to be masculine. I hate the idea of being an alpha man. And also I think he is radicalizing the young boys. I genuinely find him just funny. And as a person that takes a piss out of everything, I sort of find it so dystopian that people care so much about what a bold dude with $300 million thinks. Andrew Tate is more of a collective masculine archetype representing a lot of daddy issues for both men and women. I really love and resonate with some of the stuff he says about do what you're supposed to do, do regardless of how you feel. And I feel as though it's such a refreshing perspective because a lot of our culture is entrenched in this sort of victimhood. It's not my fault, it's the world's fault. And he's like, no, if you can see your situation as your fault, then you can fix it. If you're the problem, you can change it. What I've heard him say about women being their only sort of role in society is to have children, go in the kitchen and make coffee, shut up and stay at home, basically. The only way women can flourish in their femininity is when men are going to take up their space, be masculine again. Content objectifies women and makes them sound like their property and his own behaviour towards women is appalling. He says it's it's okay if I cheat on a woman because I'm a man, but if a woman cheats, it's disgusting. And he also says Islam is the best religion because the women do what they're told. Yeah, all that stuff is disgusting. Would you give me 10 minutes to change your mind about Andrew Tate? I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by me. Hi, I'm Tim, the creator and facilitator of the New Evangelicals and host of the New Evangelicals podcast. Original, I know. We are a Jesus-centered and inclusive community that holds space for the folks marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and we help people like you leave that cold, dark, and damp basement of evangelical fundamentalism behind to explore the rooms of the Christian tradition together. You can check out our podcast to hear from all kinds of amazing guests who are way smarter than me, and even a few episodes where I get to rant to our podcast producer about how dangerous Christian nationalism is. Ah, good times. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts or slide into our DMs on Instagram at The New Evangelicals. Thanks. G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Ideas Digest podcast where we explore the challenging ideas outside of our echo chamber in order to like open our mind a little bit, maybe achieve world peace. I'm not sure. My name's Conrad and I've discovered that the best way to understand a new idea, 
at least for me, is to just throw myself in the deep end by playing this game that I have just invented. You might have heard it somewhere else. No, no, I invented it myself. Straight original idea. And it's called, Oi, give me 10 minutes to change your mind. Now, I've played this game with Matt and I won. So I'm undefeated and I cannot play this game alone. So I have invited very good friend of the show, ranking up to beyond friend of the show into co-host of this new segment called Oi, Give Me 10 Minutes to Change Your Mind. Alice Gretchen, thanks for being a part of this wild experiment. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> this is so my jam. Okay. Well, that is very good because for new for friends of the show, if you didn't catch the last episode uh, with this game, I invented original idea, TM, Conrad, uh, give me 10 minutes to change your mind. It's where we pick an idea, we flip a coin, and we our job is to convince someone of something they don't believe. Alice, there is an idea that is forcing our way into our echo chambers every single moment of our day. It's died off a little bit because I'm a bit behind the eight ball, but that is the idea of Andrew Tate. Have you heard of this guy? I have heard of this guy. Incredibly controversial figure. A highly controversial bloke named Andrew Tate. How much of our Ideas Dietist audience do you think loves Andrew Tate in a percentage figure? Hmm. I would think it's a very small percentage. I'm going to go with maybe 20% of Ideas Digest super fans are going to at least concede that he has some good things to offer, if not flat out be a super fan of Mr. Andrew Tate. That's a, that's a good guess. It's less than that. It's about 5 to 6% that love him. I thought I would get more in that considering mm. it was 60-40 it was loved Peterson, hated Peterson. So I mm. thought... Oh, it, I thought at least more mm-hmm. of that would transfer in that manosphere kind of thing. So anyway, there's not many people in our audience that love Andrew Tate. Here's what they had to say. Now, do I love him? Do I hate him? Alice, do you love him or hate him? We don't know. So the best way to do this is that I'll flip a coin. And w- which one do you want, heads or tails? Tails. Okay, tails. So if tails, I didn't even tell you, I didn't even tell you which one. So heads, you convince someone who loves Andrew Tate to hate him. Tails, you convince someone who hates him to love him. So here, here we go. Let's just flip the coin. All right, it's a digital coin. Fling. Heads. That means that I need to convince someone who loves Andrew Tate to hate him. Yes. Now you have to convince someone who loves Andrew Tate to hate Andrew Tate. I have two <laughs> friends of the show. I'm going to send you your friend of the show and we're going to we're just going to do a little prelim judging, okay? And you're going to start to strategize at this point here. So you, let me send you, I'm going to send you an Instagram profile of friend okay. of the show, friend of the show Campbell here. And give us some give us some kind of snap judgments of like what you're looking at, what you're seeing, run me through it. And then maybe a strategy that you're thinking as a prelim of how you're going to get this guy. His profile presents to me as someone who's very much embraces the testosterone part of being a dude. He is clearly a guy's guy. Um, these are my snap judgments. He likes to show off his stellar physique. He likes to work yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, he's good looking dude. He's good looking dude. And it would not surprise me to hear that uh, this person would be very sympathetic to some of the teachings that Andrew Tate has to offer. Yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling through some of his posts there. It's It's got... He's a natural bodybuilder, so he's like he's he's built. He's got some well-sized muscles. He's uh, looks you know Islander-ish. 
all his posts are working out. So obviously he's in the fitness influence influence kind of space. So then some judgments then politically, what do you, what do you think? What are you guessing? So uh, he looks like an Australian. It says he's in Melbourne. And I, as you know, I'm not super familiar with Australian <laughs> politics. But if I had to equate him to the American equivalent, um, yep. I would snap judge him as uh, – I would snap judge him as someone who leans more Republican, more conservative, probably has some traditional ideas about gender roles um, and family values. I see a photo that suggests he may be in a romantic relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how his love life is or lack of, Uh, um, because I could be wrong. I don't know. It could be his sister for all I know, a photo taken wedding um but yeah that's that's uh i i would classify him as a more right-wing leaning um bros bro yeah yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't think he'd have too many problems with the ladies of the body with a body like that you are i mean i wouldn't think that's that's just me i look at i look like that i'm like it does appear he loves Jordan Peterson. Oh yeah, you would say he's a Jordan in the Jordan Peterson camp. I would say he's a Jordan Peterson camp. I clicked on a photo and he hashtag Jordan Peterson, so uh, oh. and not in a negative light. Okay, that I could tell. Oh, which, Again, snap judgments. Which photo? Was it with Was it with Jordan Peterson or was it just any? No, nope. just inspiration. It's uh, the photo of him pictured next to a lady. They have champagne glasses in their hand. The caption says, oh, yeah. what a weekend. Thanks, Bondi. Let's do it again sometime. Hashtag Bondi. Hashtag VRTUS. Hashtag Jordan Peterson. Hashtag Beach. The Jordan Peterson thing seems out of context. I love how you called it Bondi. It's great. That's really... What is it actually yeah. called? You know Bondi Beach? Come on, Alice. Bondi Beach? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Have you heard, you don't know Bondi Beach? Okay. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll I've read about it. it. It's okay. definitely the number. It's like the, the most, if there's any beach in Australia you've heard of, that's meant to be the one, but that that's all right. That's right. We, we forgive as Australians here. We understand America's a big country, right? You know, that's we, very we don't have as, we don't have as many movies as you. Okay. So when I was doing this segment with, with Rich, who was another kind of big testosterone, like inspirational self-improvement kind of guy. And he said that he was a 94, Five or ninety-four percent fan of Jordan Peterson. Now, one hundred percent, Alice is he's praying to the guy, right? You work, you literally worship this guy. And zero is this person. I would not hesitate to punch them in the face if I saw them. Zero percent. So, out of that spectrum, what are you guessing that he sits at? Because I guess that's going to play to your tactic. Is he one hundred percent? Do you think he worships the guy? You think he's like more sympathetic to the guy? I would say on a scale of zero to 100%, 100% being the biggest worshiper of Andrew Tate ever, yeah. I yeah. would say he's somewhere in the, hmm, yeah. I'm going to say he's somewhere in the upper 70s. Oh, okay. So reasonably, reasonably sympathetic. Okay. Reasonably right. sympathetic, but not like I'm going to kiss the ground he walks on and maybe he can't yeah. defend all of Andrew Tate's points, but he's he's a fan nonetheless. Okay, excellent. Well, I'm excited to you have a think about your strategy going forward. You've you've got a little information on the client you are to convince. Now mm-hmm. for my turn. I well, you can you can help me with, with some of these judgments. I'll send through another Instagram link here. Okay. For you. Now this <laughs> is really special friend of the show, super friend of the show. So is, is Jessica, she's behind the paywall. So she actually knows what we actually think. She joins us for our real conversation. And I've asked her, she hates Andrew Tate. 
All right. She was one of the voices in the segment that I'll have to link to after. She was one of the voices that you heard that was like, Andrew Tate is a massive, massive problem. Now, looking at this Instagram, okay, I'm seeing I'm seeing some some photos, some videos, some messages around health and wellness, maybe some religious memes. I'm not sure about that. Oh, footage at a protest. I'm going political greens voter got to be like on the left side of the spectrum i reckon and i reckon like strong independent woman i'm getting like highly educated probably definitely a bachelor's degree potentially a master's degree um many quotes about uh care advice self-care some of them have a little bit of a sassy ringer you would not expect uh based off (laughs) of the aesthetic but no i'm seeing a young woman who alternately posts um, videos. I have not clicked on or watched any of her videos, but I'm seeing videos, pictures, and memes and advice, beautiful, beautifully laid out, graphically designed advice quotes. Um, And I would assume uh, the same things that you assume about her. She's probably very educated. Um, She's probably a very compassionate person. Justice Mm. is probably important to her Definitely. and I would guess that she's highly empathetic yep I'm gonna steal all those judgments I think they're pretty good if I'm to ballpark it I think <laughs> depending how compassionate she is <laughs> I think she's close to punching Andrew Tate in the face if she sees him on the street I, this, is, this is just what I think it's a snap judgment she might not she might be very compassionate but I'm gonna put her at like whoa even I feel 10% is high I'm gonna go three percent I think she sits at 3% of Andrew Tate. Like maybe she's like, he's human and I need to respect humanity. And that might be the 3%. I don't know. So, okay. So that, that's, I think that's, that's a fair, gonna... yeah, that seems like a fair estimate. <laughs> okay. So that's going to factor in. So we flipped a coin. Alice, you are going to convince someone who loves Andrew Tate to ha- hate Andrew Tate. I'm going to convince someone who hates Andrew Tate to love Andrew Tate. We'll go away in podcast land for mere moments. I'll let you chat with Campbell I will chat with Jessica and then we'll come back and Alice I'm undefeated I'm I'm one and oh and you're new okay I am I am new to this so uh, is the goal to see who which one of us can either gain or lose the most percentage points of uh, persuading the other okay so if I said did I give a clear percentage point or did I just say the 70s? Well, he he will tell you. So in your conversation, okay. you'll find out exactly and you have to go from that. So we're just guessing now because that might play into strategy going into it, like what arguments gotcha. you're going to make. So Alice, mm-hmm. game on. We are back. You spent your time speaking and meeting Campbell. I spoke with super friend Jess. Alice, chivalry is not dead. I would like you to go first as you're, <laughs> as you're new to this. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm the undefeated champion thus far. So how did it go meeting Campbell? And talk me through your tactics of trying to convince this guy who is a fan of Tate on some level to maybe being less of a fan. Yes. So overall, my the takeaway impression I have from my conversation with Campbell is very positive. Um, it was a very delightful conversation. He was very thoughtful, um, listened to my questions, watched my my arguments and what I presented to him. So you had like props. 
you were you were props. you were presenting like <laughs> exhibit A's. Yes. So I did some screen sharing with him and and asked him to watch some very troubling video footage. Um, and for anyone who's easily triggered okay. by scenes of domestic violence or sexual abuse. There's, there's some of that footage. So watch, proceed. My strategy going into it is this, and I'm not a seasoned veteran like you. So this is just the kind of the go-to strategy <laughs> that I use with uh, most people that I find I'm in disagreement with. Okay. You've tested it in the wild, this strategy before. I have, I have, but I've never formally right. articulated it and never deliberately went into a conversation that was not spontaneous thinking, I'm going to try to change this person's mind. My strategy was to... Uh, first and foremost, to find common ground. Um, I think that that's one of the most mm -hmm. important ways to A, even be heard by someone, never mind B, possibly change their mind. I think when we feel seen, right. heard, and acknowledged for our point of view, we're much more open to at least hearing someone else's point of view. So my strategy going into it was okay. to just find- Empathetic, like, understanding, yeah. soften him up. <laughs> soften him up, yes. And then by the time I presented, um, the more- uh, controversial parts of Andrew Tate, knowing rightfully that he was probably already familiar with it. Um, it uh. would, it would be from a place of hopefully making him feel safe enough that I'm not attacking him with this as evidence, because mm -hmm. I find when people feel attacked, they just tend to like double down or retreat and shut off. So I didn't want him to feel yeah. attacked or criticized. Like, how could you fucking like this guy? You know, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Build that like, golden you... bridge to retreat over. <laughs> like, if you want to come to me over here, I'm an empathetic, you know, we understand each other. You just edge a little bit across this nice, beautiful yeah. golden bridge. And like, what do you think about this? Like, to to my attitude strategy is um, generally to try and maintain like an open-minded stance. Like, I really want to understand another perspective. And um, and so I brought that into, into my conversation with Campbell too. And um, I'm often accused of being too open-minded or... Uh, that sounds too lofty and self-aggrandizing. <laughs> I am too good at, <laughs> I am Alice. Yes. You are too Let's, tolerant yeah. and too open-minded. <laughs> and that is why I got you on the show. You have jumped up on the high horse of being in the middle ground. You're welcome here. We like to pretend that we're in the middle and we're uh -huh. the bastion of open-minded. So you I'm fit the, most the bill perfectly for ever. artists. Yeah, 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 we all are. We yeah, all are. We I'm all in the are. middle. Everyone else is at the extremes. <laughs> We are the middle. We're all intolerant assholes. <laughs> no, like I, I'm willing to hear people that many other people are not. Um, here was an opportunity yeah. for me to like screen share. And I didn't know if he'd seen or heard some of this footage before, but I wanted to get a real time reaction to it um, and see if it disarmed mm -hmm. him at all or if it disappointed him or sh surprised him at all. So um, and if by the end awesome. I was able all to right. in any way, shape or form change his mind, even just a little bit. Oh, well, Alice, let's see how you went. Hi, Campbell. Thanks Hi. again so much for taking the time to meet with me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. I would like to just start by asking you, on a scale of 1 to 100, 1 being you would celebrate his death and 100 being like you would worship the ground he walks on, um, how much of a fan or admirer or sympathizer are you of Mr. Andrew Tate? Okay. So... It's hard, right? But I, the number that I'm intuitively, instinctively coming up with some, sits somewhere around 60 to 70. So let's say 65 and call it that. So I would like to know what to you appeals about Andrew Tate? What parts of his persona and his message speak to you or that you resonate with? First and foremost, it, 
he's you you can call him a lot of things, but you can't call him stupid. Um, like he's he's clearly an intelligent man, um, and I can pick up that from <clears throat> things like his vocabulary and his speech, his articulation, the way that he um, you know is able to go back and forth with some fairly uh, formidable uh, forces. Let's say people like Piers Morgan, who is not unused, uh, who is not um, unfamiliar at all with debate. So there's definitely, I definitely admire him for his intellect. The other thing, oh, another thing that I would definitely admire him for is the fact that he is a, uh, he was a world champion kickboxer. There's something primal inside of me. Um, and I, I won't speak for all men, but I will speak for most of them, that there's something primal inside of us that desires to be a formidable physical specimen. Um, there's and so part of that physicality has to has the ability to part of that physicality is having the ability to be physically dangerous let's say or powerful that way you aren't at the whim of someone else's will if if it came down to it i am able to defend myself physically and not have you impose your will upon me because i can't physically stop you to he was and is not someone to be trifled with which is something that us as men definitely admire. Um, so there's that. You can you could make an anti-capitalist uh, argument for this particular point, but the fact that he is financially successful, highly financially successful, is also something that I admire him for. I'm a capitalist. I'm I'm a very proud capitalist. So I don't have an issue at all with you know capitalism versus socialism, that kind of thing. And so the fact that he has built himself financially into what he has is also something that is definitely um, admirable, in my opinion. Um, it's something that I strive to do. I want to become financially, financially successful. So Okay, so, I'm, so what I think I'm hearing you say is you admire Andrew Tate um, for three primary reasons, uh, that he's a world-class kickboxing champion, um, that he has a sort of physical prowess that you relate to as a man that says not to be trifled with, and you admire his, um, his embodiment of that particular type of power and masculinity. And thirdly, I'm hearing you say that you also admire that he's very financially successful and, and seems to have found and in ways that um, maybe not exactly in the ways that you would like to emulate, but you're inspired by and, you're, and it intrigues you. Um, so I guess a follow-up question to that is um, there's lots of other world champion kickboxers and athletes and financially independent, wealthy men um, who are also very physically capable. And so I'm curious, what is it about this particular man who has so much controversy that I'm sure you're not ignorant to um, that resonates with you more so than, say, um, Anderson Silva, UFC fighter, or uh, or someone else. Like, what is it about Tate specifically, with all of the other stuff surrounding him that goes with? And maybe if if it doesn't relate to you, and it, I know you can't speak on behalf of other admirers, but what do you think it is about his particular package that either speaks to you and or other men besides his um, his physical? talents and financial success yeah sure i mean so uh firstly the the three points that you wanted to reiterate that i admire him for the first one was actually intellect um and then the second intellect. one was you're right 
Then the second one was You're his right. physical prowess, and then the third was his financial success. One of the things that separates, say, Andrew Tate, and I would probably, I would probably throw Conor McGregor in this same boat, is that they're both very verbally articulate. And so someone like Anderson Silva isn't any less worthy of admiration as as far as his physical prowess and his uh, fighting um, endeavors and achievements are concerned. It's that Anderson doesn't put himself forward in that way to be heard uh, like Andrew right. or Connor. Right. Um, like, but Connor doesn't. Would you say that it's a you? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, but Connor doesn't even put himself in that position either. Connor doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily speak outside of, like, not that I've seen anyway, doesn't speak much outside of fighting. Whereas Andrew speaks on. Um, you know, the war on masculinity and crisis in masculinity. Andrew speaks on men and women relate like heterosexual relationships and that kind of stuff. And uh, he has opinions on current political topics like transgenderism and that kind of stuff that, and, that he will put forward balls to the wall, you know, like give like to give the dude his due, he's not afraid of the controversy, which is also something that, Inside, I can't, again, speak for everybody, but inside me, there's a huge part of me that would love to have that level of courage where I could speak exactly what I think and and come hell or high water, I don't care about what you think of my opinion or whatever. Like that's, that's definitely something that when we come across someone in our daily lives, not necessarily a public figure like Andrew, but someone in our daily lives that has that kind of confidence that will speak their mind, not in an obtuse obnoxious way not no not only in an obtuse and obnoxious way but will also articulate themselves with a relative form of finesse and or level of finesse and um and like i said intellect like it's 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 impressive also the the courage involved in that is, is super um inspiring so it's someone that you want to someone with that level of courage is definitely admirable as well Oh, that's totally understandable to me. I I resonate with that for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm hearing you say it's like a combination of his intellect with his his uh, his physical fierceness. His it's what I'm hearing in common is a fierceness of intellect, a fierceness of courage, and a fierceness of physicality um, that that resonates with you specifically. Mm. Um, some things that I that I can appreciate about Andrew Tate, I see his appeal and I do think he's very right about some things. Um, I think he speaks to uh, how many men feel very invisible to women and how mating is in essence a competition. And I also think he's right that many guys never have a shot at the mating game because they're ignored or overlooked by women. Um, And I can see why many disenfranchised young men relate to the loneliness and the resentment that Tate speaks to. Um, So when I was doing a little bit of research, I came across a clip where he calls his followers losers and I was, and says he's king of the world. And I'm curious, like, like, do you think you're a loser or that any of his other fans or followers are losers? Like, how does that land on you when you, as, as someone who, who admires these traits in him, hear him say that? All right. Well, so as far as that one's concerned, that doesn't phase me in the slightest because if you spend any more than two minutes around a group of guys, we all are extremely um, 
it's not self-deprecating or we sort of are self-deprecating like giving each other shit like slagging insults at each other constantly and right it's not always as it's not always an attack of course it sometimes is but that's what that's how i that's how we roll and obviously women do the same thing but in in their own version but men we sling insults at each other and smack each other with that kind of stuff I don't know the exact clip that you're referring to when Andrew calls his followers losers, but it would it would not surprise me in the slightest if you rewound that clip maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds before he would have been describing someone who has no job, who has no friends, who doesn't work out and they are not physically in shape. And but and all of these sorts it's describing someone who has adopted what you what you would I guess call it a loser mentality where they're 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 lying down and taking it from life let's say and so again it, it he might just be straight up calling his followers losers maybe but I because I don't know that clip particularly but it would highly surprise me that that would be the case that he's just slinging an insult at these people for nothing what he's doing mm-hmm. is. Uh, highlighting all of the things in your life that make you miserable because you're sitting here talking about the fact that I don't get any women, I don't have any friends, I, you know, I don't have any money, I live in my mother's basement, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying, stop being a loser and, and outlines all of these things about them that are loser mentality uh, things. Sure. No, I, I hear you. I think, um, and I think for some people it's straight up like, almost like a love language for them it's like if i can't give you shit clearly you don't trust me enough and clearly there's like a separation here we don't we're not at that level of intimacy so for some people when someone gives them shit it's a sign of affection it's like oh yeah you feel safe with me to like rag on me in this way so that yeah that makes sense that's all i said say is i said when i I said tell the camera i beat you when you don't do as i say i didn't say the word listen did i say the word listen did i say the word Listen, you stupid bitch. I didn't say the word listen. Did I say listen? Did I say listen? No. Look at the camera. Did I say listen? No. Did I say listen to you? Did I say it? No. Did I say it? Bitch. Look at the camera. This is what happens you don't listen. Look at the camera. Why are you getting hit? Why are you getting beaten? You don't listen. You. Do as I say. It's one thing for men to give other men shit in a consensually affectionate sort of way. I am curious how watching a video like this makes you feel. Um, To be fair, Tate has addressed this video saying that it was consensual, just so the viewers and you all know. And I'm curious to your viewing, did that look consensual to you? Um... (laughs) That's so hard to say. Okay, from a from a from a uh, like a what do you call it? Like a logical standpoint. All right, so they're on a bed and she's wearing lingerie. There's some sort of sexual underlying sexual uh, theme in that video period so does it look consensual i mean no but isn't that the whole point of um bedroom don't like the femdom thing is that they like complain while they do it 
or whatever. Isn't that the whole idea? Is like it's it meant to be. be. Yeah, like they. That would be assuming that there was a like a safe word between them or something. Sure, or something like that. The, the agreeance being that, like, if you know, there are there are people who will hire a a dominatrix or something, and then they they want her to beat him or like, you know, that's usually a, a female beating up a male or something like that. But excuse me, I don't see that there's um, without context, you just, you just can't say now, is it like, you know, he hit her. Like, I don't want to sit here and, and be like, Oh yeah. But with context, like he hit her, like, it's not, it's not something that I'm just sitting here going, Oh, that video, it's all about, uh, it's all it's all nuanced. It's like he straight up hit her. So I don't want to sit here and defend him for that. I um I only would say that people get up to some freaky shit in the bedroom. Man, you, like you understand the position I'm in, trying to like trying to make any sense yes. of that whatsoever without getting slapped with all of the uh, the consequence of of defending a person uh, participating in that kind of action. Um. It does, like, is that how I'd roll? No, but I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and make an make a an argument for Andrew Tate being completely and wholly admirable. In the same way that, like, and I might put myself in a box here, but I'll do it anyway. In the same way that I admire Chris Brown because of his musical ability. He is, in my opinion, basically second to none, like, or that's that's a big claim, but like, as far as that space is concerned, in the R&B, in the modern R&B world, there is no one doing better than Chris Brown, in my opinion. And so, does that mean that I'm pro him hitting Rihanna? Duh, like, of course not. I don't back his character. But, uh, but I, I do admire his ability to produce music. There's all that sort of controversy around Michael Jackson. Whether or not you believe it, it doesn't matter. You will still listen to Beat It and Thriller. And so I'm not, I'm not making an argument for Andrew Tate being completely and wholly um, uh, admirable and, and worthy of admiration. In fact, per- personally, speaking personally, I don't see... Characters like Andrew Tate and like Dan Bilzerian, for instance, these playboy Hugh Hefners, they're just not old enough to be Hugh Hefner yet. But these guys that tell you that having thousands of women, thousands of notches on your belt is the and, and millions of dollars in the bank and supercars, that's the life. I don't believe that. The men that I've looked up to in my life that I've genuinely admired are men who have been great husbands, monogamous heterosexual men who have been amazing husbands and they they support their wives and that kind of stuff. I don't think that the whole uh, polygamy thing is is the way forward because I know that those I know that when you're in a polygamous relationship you have a limited amount of trust that you could potentially or, or that you could ever build with someone that you're having an intimate relationship with but knowing that they're having an intimate relationship with someone else. So you're limited in trust. I've only seen really deep levels of trust happen in like those, like I'm saying, monogamous relationships. So I don't look up to Andrew Tate because of everything he does, but I do look up to him in, in certain, like, like the aspects that I listed earlier. 
Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is, in essence, you're able to separate the art from the artist. Uh, sure, that person, baby from the bathwater, exactly. I mean, to to everything that I've been able to find, Andrew Tate has built up a lot of his fan base and popularity, giving relationship advice and dating advice to young men on on women, and and so. It's striking to me that someone who's known for um, being someone that young men would want to emulate in multiple ways and financial financial success as well as, um, you know, physical capabilities and stuff. And then also in terms of um, being able to get laid by very beautiful women um, and or have some sort of success with women where they are not ignoring you, at least, you know, they're engaging with you. They're going on dates with you. Maybe they're sleeping with you. Um so, you know, that was a one-off video. Um, and sure, we don't know the entire context of their situation. Maybe maybe she does like to get slapped around. Maybe they have a safe word that she did not use. We don't know. You're absolutely right about that. Um, but additionally, Tate has admitted to rape. Uh, and this is all setting aside that he's currently in jail right now for sex trafficking and rape, among other charges. Um, but Tate has admitted to rape and has said that he loves it. Um, when he was texting with one of the women who accused him of rape, he wrote back, I love raping you. And so now I'm going to play you uh, this recording. Am I a bad person? Because the, the more you didn't like it, the more I enjoyed it. I fucking loved how much you hated it. Turn me on. Why am I like that? Why? I am one of the most dangerous men on this planet. Sometimes you forget exactly how lucky you were to get fucked by me. Would you rather me pin you down and make you do things you didn't like, or would you rather fuck You didn't like that I was thinking I can do whatever I want to. That's what it is. I'm the smartest person on this fucking planet. Are you seriously so offended I strangled you a little bit? You didn't fucking pass out. Chill the fuck out. Jesus Christ, I thought you were cool. What's wrong with you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm sh I can imagine that, like with the previous video that, you, that I made you play, um, you're probably not going to have too much of a defense for what, for what Mr. Tate is saying here. Um, I am curious what your take, though, is on someone who gives relationship advice and has um, built a platform off of giving young men advice on how to approach women, how to treat women, how to engage, how to get women to notice you. Mm -hmm. How does watching a video like that, where he's straight up bragging about enjoying raping women, um, land to you? Like, how do you reconcile these two things in your own mind? How do you reconcile a guy who says stuff like that, giving relationship advice? Yeah. And she's one of many women. Sure, yeah, this of course. Is not, like, the, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not surprised at all, um, really, by him. I've heard, you know, of course he thinks he's the smartest man on the planet. Like, I'm not, I've, I've heard that before. I've heard him say that several times. That's not a shock to me at all. So, like, that level of arrogance, and, like, we're talking almost Kanye level of arrogance. There's, like, we are talking about outliers here. Um, but... When you're at, when you're at bottom, when you are, when you get no one to, when you are on Tinder and you get no matches, when you are out in public and no one ever looks at you twice, when you are like, when you are at bottom and you are an invisible man, um, any advice is good advice. Like now that has to come with, you know, clarification, 
but like just just rape the women like if they're not coming to you consensually just throw them down slap them around pin them down strangle them just a little bit just a little bit so (laughs) you know i'm not saying that but um Andrew doesn't uh, just give out, hey, everybody, let's all rape women advice. Um, mm-hmm. I've definitely seen clips of Andrew talk about, um, you know, how to dress, how to how to talk, what to say, just to get in the room, like just to get in the same mm-hmm. ballpark. Your foot in the door. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. a foot in the door. Um, just to get in the room. Now, as they go along, you'd hope that maybe some of some of Andrew's advice, right, will kick them hard enough, especially from a credible source. Now, you can make all sorts of claims about how credible is credible, but when you see a guy like Andrew who's highly financially successful and then hanging out and doing whatever with all of these stunning, gorgeous women, there's proof in the pudding. Just like, like I'm a personal trainer, right? So I've built my body into a certain level of, to a certain level of muscle, right? So my clients see that and go, okay, cool. At least there's proof in the pudding. It's so, and that's why they'll come and seek my advice. Now, am I the best personal trainer on the planet or the most ethical or what, you know, whatever? No, like I, well, I've tried to be, but like at, when you're at, when you're at bottom, again, it's a good example. When you're at bottom, and and there's and and you are overweight and and you don't know where to start any advice is good advice hey how about you start eating less hey how about you work out more now that that's so that's such general advice but it's good advice when when you're mr olympia working out more and eating less is not the good not good uh advice it is terrible advice but when you're at bottom and you don't know where to start hey how about you dress better, go to the gym, get a six pack, and then try this line on a women. Just try and say hello. Like that's I, that's not bad advice. Is it the only advice he gives? No, but it's not bad advice. And to a lot of guys out there that just need someone to say, hey, stop being a loser, get it together, pick yourself up and go and try something. Stop being afraid of everything. There's like, there's, of this power in that, that that's why he's so um popular in my opinion and so how do i reconcile him giving dating advice when he says stuff like that i can't i can't i don't know how to i i've i've had relationships in the past and i've i've acted um terribly in some relationships in the past there are things that i've regretted in relationships in the past do i still go out and give someone dating advice that I that has asked me for it or whatever absolutely like um does it make me the world's foremost expert or you know blah 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 or even the most even the best person to listen to about dating advice no um does my my misconduct in past relationships disqualify me from giving relationship advice I mean you they, you could make an argument for that, I suppose, but like, no, real, not really. Like, because I'm out here trying to do better and learn, just like everybody else is. I I can't reconcile him talking about that. 
the only thing that I can say is that when you are that, when you have that kind of power, people let you do some crazy shit. Now I don't, I've never had that kind of power, so I can't speak from experience, but I can speak from observation. I've seen people, I've seen people with money, and I've seen people act differently around those people with money, and to the point where you sometimes go, wow, wow. like. I'm very surprised at how much you have changed simply because you know this person has a Ferrari or whatever. Um, money makes people do some crazy shit. Um, and so does Andrew's money give him the ability to manipulate whoever, like that person he was talking to, to the point where she'll she'll still stick around and cop it? Um, is that right? Probably not. No, like it's not. I'm not making an argument for that either. But it's it is only to say that like money makes people do some crazy stuff. It, so I'm going to try to con concise my next two questions into one. Quote: Andrew, uh, Andrew Tate has said that if a woman accused him of cheating, it's quote, it's a bang out the machete, boomer in the face, and grip her by the neck. Um, he's also said that he thinks women belong in the house and should not go to restaurants or clubs without their male partner. Um, and he's referred to women as uh, basically his product, the cam girls, uh, his girlfriends, if she's working on OnlyFans, like they are his product. And that's why he's entitled to all of her earnings. Um, and I guess, again, like just to to wrap it up, like if you if what I'm hearing you say is that you don't agree with these particular traits about Andrew Tate, which um, seem to be a significant part of his platform. And there's certainly uh, intrinsic parts of his behavior and, and who he seems to be as a man. Um, do you think it's safe to say that maybe you're not actually a 65% fan of his? Or what number do you think, uh, at the end, as we near the end of our conversation, do you think that uh, that 65% fandom has edged a little bit? Has it gotten higher? Um, or has it gotten lower? Do you feel like it's pretty much the same? The whole cheating, like grab them by the neck, grab out, grab out the machete thing. No, like, you know, no, of course not. I'm not even like, I, I, I'm not even going to give that the um, time of day. Really, Like we can all just sit on, that's just a stupid statement. That's just dumb. Like we... He seems to be comfortable using physical violence against women. So I wouldn't think he's speaking entirely metaphorically. Would, has he ever used a machete? I don't know, but he used a yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, who knows what else he's used? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, um, I can't at all vouch for him in any state. It's so off color that there's just there's nothing you can say to that. Like, um, except, I mean... Yeah, even then, but except for the fact that his arrogance, maybe it's it's just not surprising that he would say that. But it would, it doesn't make it right at any by any stretch. Um, what about the part of um, how women are basically the property of men, and that they are products for men's benefit, and that they shouldn't go out with their girlfriends unless the man's there? So is that what like I would love to? Uh, I'm, I can send you. <laughs> yeah, if you could, could you send it in the chat. Um, I would love to sort of listen to that um, argument or that that statement in context, simply because now this is the the um, reason that I want to listen to it. Uh, Andrew Tate, as far as I'm aware, in earlier points in his career, uh, spent time 
doing the webcam girl thing um, and building that and had not not just a sort of a, not a menial role in that. Like as far as I can tell, he was the brains, him and his brother were the brains behind that particular business and it became extremely profitable for them. Now, in sex work, the girls are the product. Now, does that mean they're less human? No, but they are the product that we are selling. Like in, in OnlyFans, a girl can run her own OnlyFans, obviously, and she is her own product. Does Is that separated from her humanity? Probably not. They are one in the... I think so. <laughs> You think so? Yeah, I, I I understand I understand what you're saying. Um, no, because it's you're selling something. Yeah, yeah, I could agree with you on that. She's got a life and a family and a dad and a mom and a, and, a, and brothers and sisters and friends and she's got a life and she's a human and then she's selling herself as a product, right? Is that you would agree with that statement? I think that it's. I mean, I would say you know it's neither black or white. I would say that there are parts of her so. So straight off the bat, like I do OnlyFans style work, but on Playboy's platform. And I know that I'm not someone's product. I know I'm me, I'm a whole person, you know, but I also know that I market myself as a product. Um, I'm selling people a vision, a fantasy, um, photos, you know, and I don't do explicit content, um, but it's, but yeah, I'm, I still have to market myself and objectify myself to sell what I'm, what I'm offering. And so I understand the that you're making between like one can still be a whole person but you're still marketing yourself as a product so i understand that distinction so you're saying that um andrew and his brother tristan i believe right they had a business for themselves where they were basically um correct me if i'm wrong managing or acting as agents for girls who were doing this i, d- I don't know how to correct you because i don't know the ins and outs of that business at all that's just really oh, okay cool. like, <laughs> Yeah, what I'm, what I've seen. Friends of the show will correct us. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. In the comments, sure. but if we're if we're wrong, let us know. But um, yes, as far as I'm aware, they were they were running. I don't even know how you say that. But they were running cam girls, so they like they had a bunch of girls um, that they were managing, like you're saying, and and um, and and they were the brains, as far as I can tell, the brains behind this operation and why it became as successful as it is because there's cam girls. We could go onto Google right now and find millions of websites of cam girls. But why was Andrew and why were Andrew and Tristan able to make the amount of money that they did make from that particular enterprise is because of their business savvy, as far as I'm aware. Um, and mm. so. Do you uh, think maybe it also might be because of um, uh, threatening tactics, maybe towards the women? I mean, do you think maybe there might be some girls who were working for them that might not have totally consented to what they were doing or being there just based off of other evidence we've seen of how Tate actually um, treats women? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's none of us can say for sure, but yeah, would you allow that? Maybe that's the problem. I mean, it's, it's not outside of the scope of, um, I'll put it to you this way. Possibility. Yeah, it's not outside of the scope of possibility. Having said that, um, it wouldn't make sense to me, wouldn't make much sense to me, that someone like Andrew with access to as many women as he has access to would need to manipulate someone to stay when I would imagine, now you could make all sorts of, 
arguments for and against what I, this statement that I'm about to say, but if Andrew is that popular and has that much access to women like that, why would he need to manipulate someone to do it and stay when there would be a line out the door of women who would take her place? If she didn't want to be there, she could just leave. Now, that's a big statement. What's a counter argument that you could make to that? What's a counter? Well, the fact that he's a powerful, like powerful, tall, intimidating, confident, arrogant man that like, and if you're a small woman that's like, that is a possibly also like, you know, in love with him or whatever, like then we could, we could drive emotion into that uh, scenario as well, which would just only enhance the, the ability to be manipulated. That makes complete sense. Um, then of course the possibility is that he would, he's manipulated someone, um, to do that work for him in order to make money off her. What it, like that's absolutely within the scope of possibility. Absolutely. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a big claim to make. Like we're talking about like, you know, cause he's in prison right now for mm-hmm. human trafficking. Um, and, and the jury's out basically. They haven't sentenced him to anything. They haven't convicted him of anything. So the jury's out really um, on whether or not that's true. But again, um, it's not outside the scope of possibility that he could have done that. That's, that's totally possible. So the bottom line here is Campbell, are you after our dialogue about Andrew Tate, would you still put your fanship of him at 65%? Has it budged at all? Or it just stayed the same. Um, the reason the 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 reason it's at sixty five to start with and not ninety is because I'm fully aware of basically what everything we've talked about today. Um, Andrew, Andrew, he's very intelligent. Understand, yeah, but understands that uh, all publicity is good publicity. So he says things mm-hmm. that will piss off the people that are looking to be pissed off. Um, now mm. they make it right. I think that's a good strategy to go through life with or to well, model for people who look up to you. I mean, maybe, maybe actually, you know what? I'm not even going to, I was going to sort of backtrack from there, but I'm not actually because there are people that watch Andrew's videos, like I'm saying with the sole purpose to be pissed off. They want to find something wrong with him. And the, and the, the, the best part about that is that there's wrong there's something wrong with everybody and so i don't think that my percentage to start when we started this conversation um i wasn't naive or ignorant about any of these things that uh andrew has i've 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 not watched them quite as much like or quite as closely as we have today like especially the i've never seen that clip of the um the, the, the slapping in the belt and that kind of stuff. I've never seen it. I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. Um, and so my my original 65% fandom, however you say that, of Andrew was that, um, was that number with those things in mind already. Um, I don't want to defend him wholly and, and completely. I I, he might be a shit person. I don't know. I've never met the dude. Uh, he might be a completely horrible person. Um, but there are things that he has 
again, so might Chris Brown, so might Tiger Woods. They might be horrible guys, but there are things that are, there are elements of them that are admirable and worthy of it's worthy of acknowledgement at the very least. There are things that I Andrew embodies that I would I look up to and want to be like one day, financially successful, physically, physical prowess, intelligence. That's his intelligence isn't just genetic either. There's there's definitely practice and 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 development, um, intentional. You know, being a, being learned in 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 the English language and developing a vocabulary is one of them. Like that's a way to be more intelligent without actually increasing your IQ, let's say. Um, and so, I don't I don't think my percentage has changed much um, throughout this conversation. Alice, that is a zero percentage point zero. move. <laughs> I, want, I want to break down what happened. Where uh-huh. did you go wrong? <laughs> but, but before we do, I feel like maybe I'm gloating too soon. You don't, you don't know how I went. I don't. So uh, I'll, I'll go now. Uh, let me, let me uh, bring you into my, like, let me wheel out my whiteboard and talk to you about my strategies and tactics okay. moving in. Okay. Uh, I had a conversation with, as you know, super friend Jess. So I'm really grateful to these super friends who yes. uh, support the show. And they also, uh, they, they also sometimes very willing to come on and, and allow me to try and change their mind. So super friend Jess as I said before, I'm, a, I'm, I'm judging her to be highly educated, um, a strong, independent woman. So, I, so that was my tactic going in. I was going, okay, how can I appeal? Maybe I'm stereotyping women going, okay, highly empathetic. So I really mm. went with two tactics and you might, you will see me pivot very hard from one to the other. Okay. Um, I, one tactic was empathy, was empathy, trying to like go, you know, let's, let's go the feelings and the emotions and see if I can humanize a group of people. And then the other one, the other strategy I had in, in my pocket, cause I had a couple, had a lot of arguments, you know, I was surprised at how much I could get into. Cause you would think I had the harder job. No, I would convincing think. someone who, who doesn't like Tate to like him. So yeah. I'm like in Tate's corner. It's like, I'm the Tate fanboy. But I actually didn't go the fanboy route. I went for the adjacent, I was going for like a 10% margin shift. I was never going to somehow have like make Jess completely revolutionize her thinking of Andrew Tate. And there's certain things that are very difficult to justify that you brought up in your uh, arguments against Tate. I had those two. I had empathy and then I went, re- I entered the ivory tower, Alice, of the academic. I, I summoned all my pseudo intellectual powers and pieced together an academic sounding. I really channeled that like lofty academic, you know, you know using metaphor and symbolism and really tried to mm. do that approach as well. Mm-hmm. So, Ooh, I'm excited to see how this went. Take a listen and see if you can notice my pivot as I change okay. as I change strategy. Seeing seeing my tactics not quite working. Okay, Alice, take, let, let's watch. Okay. okay, I would like everyone to welcome super friend of the show, Jess. Thanks for joining the Artist Artist podcast. Thanks for having me, Conrad. Now, Jess, on my Instagram poll, I put up a poll and it said, are you a fan of Tate? Do you love hate or do you hate Tate? And Jess, you said to me, that you potentially hate Tate. And so I suppose let's begin with if 100% is I worship and literally pray to this person and 0% would be if I saw them, I don't know if I'd punch them in the face or not. 
If they died, I wouldn't care. This is like pure evil 0%. At what percentage do you place your love or hate of Tate? I don't think I'd punch him in the face because he's a violent, crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) Because it wouldn't go well. He does know how to fight. Okay, fair point. Run away real quick. If you had super speed, would you like run up (laughs) and then run away? Uh, I think it gives him too much credit. Um, Maybe I'd say I'm at 10%. 10%. Okay. All right. We can can work with 10%. Now, just to help me load my gun before my 10 minutes start, could you tell me um, why you don't like Andrew Tate? Maybe some of the key reasons why you think he's a problematic person and human being. Yeah, I think he has a misogynistic influence on young boys. Uh, my 13-year-old sister has experienced this at school where boys chant his name, where they interrogate uh, the other girls at school, asking them why they hate him and try to convince them otherwise of why he's so great. Um, they've watched as their, you know, the girls have watched the boys become more dismissive of their female teachers. You know, I can see how this is happening um, in real in real life um, with young kids. And in addition to that, I think he I think he um, legitimizes radical Islam. So you're concerned about the impact of him mainstreaming some pretty problematic ideas to, and attitudes towards women. You're concerned about, you know, younger family members, kids at school. It's maybe shaping or encouraging a certain type of what you, you maybe would see as toxic masculinity within the, within the schoolyard. And then the radical Islam thing is recently converted to Islam. And he is quite an aggressive dude. And I suppose, are you connecting those dots going, if he is this extreme about something, then that's got to play very well to this um, audience of perhaps Muslim young men who might see this guy and go, okay, this is what it looks like to live and die by what you believe in. And that can lead to some very extreme behavior. Does that sound roughly what you're concerned about? Yes. I have a question to ask you. Would you give me 10 minutes to change your mind about Andrew Tate? I think you should give it your best shot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Start this timer with a hook. Jess and friends of the show, I believe, well, in this segment, I'm arguing that I, I think Andrew Tate is an unrecognized genius. We all, and feminists included, need to learn from this man, Andrew Tate. Now, that's me being a pretty extreme because I'm trying to sacrifice a bit of my dignity to the God of the algorithm in this, but let me temper that and go, all right, like I hear what you're saying, okay? Shown some issues with the misogynistic behavior. Listen, I've seen, I've watched his tapes where he's talking super disrespectful about women, beating women, <clears throat> um, you know, talking on how he essentially manipulates women into being cam girls, kind of psychologically traps them, like all this stuff. The guy's sitting in a Romanian prison right now for alleged sex trafficking. This is, he's had like rape allegations, like countless, this is sort of the stuff that I can't defend. And so this is, this is probably the angle, Jess, where I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend this angle to you here. So you might agree with this, Jess. Do you think every human being is just their one thing. The, the worst thing anyone's done is, is a human being just that one thing. No. I think, yeah, I think we'd, we'd both agree. There's more to a human being. And I guess I'm trying to pull out in this really quickly. There is more to Andrew Tate that I think the young men that you worry about, this is what they see, not discounting what you see, but this is kind of what they see. There is a group of young men out there, which I'm sure you potentially worried about. 
that no one loves them. No one cares about them. They're alone. They're isolated. They're disconnected. They can't get girlfriends. They probably can't even get jobs. They're growing disgruntled, pretty hate-filled at the world. These are the kind of people that might go into a school and shoot it in America and things like that. This is a really troubled young group of men and they're actually in their own way very vulnerable. The world is changing too fast for them to keep up and they have been left behind. And many of these vulnerable young men end up potentially getting radicalized by maybe radical Islam and the incel group, you know, that incel movement involuntarily celibate. Um, And then here comes along Andrew Tate. Right. He comes along and his sexist attitude towards women, which a lot of these men have internalized, that's like the ticket. That's the gate ticket holder for them to start listening to him. They go, oh, I also think that about women. I think the world's like that too. But then they start listening to Andrew Tate. And, and as I was doing some research, I Googled like inspirational quotes by Andrew Tate, like Andrew Tate known for. And these lists came up, you know, you end up in an interesting place on the internet. And these lists come up. And here are the kinds of stuff that they're, that they're hearing, getting business advice, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, like work hard, do it, give it your best. He offers confidence and certainty in an uncertain world. And this is what these men are kind of grasping on when they're listening to him. He's telling them the truth. He's saying to this young group of men, no, you are a loser. No one likes you. But then he offers them something that they've never had before. He's offering them hope. And he says to them, yeah, you are a loser, but you don't have to be. And he starts saying, work hard. What can you make money doing? He brings him into this world of capitalism, this, for many people, problematic, toxic forms of masculinity. But from where these men are, that's potentially a step up in them taking responsibility for where they are, not blaming everything around them. And they start going, maybe I can make money. Maybe I can get out of this. He's telling them the truth that, you know what, the world is changing and it's kind of rigged against you. And here is a pathway out. We might not agree with some of that pathway, but when you're at the bottom and there are no options, sometimes a dirty way out is at least a way out. So they start listening to this message and they're getting a bit more hope. And I guess what I'm saying is, apart from Tate being obviously a great businessman, because you can't argue with all the money he's got, you can't argue with him capturing the attention of the world. He He's engaged with a level of society that we condemn, we ignore, we ridicule, we throw to, we throw to the side. So there's a few things that as we think of this man, Andrew Tate, we can learn from. Now, is, now I hear your main concern is that he's, Tate is a problematic figure in schools. Would, that's, would that be that you, that's the thing that concerns you the most? Like Tate's impact on younger minds. Tate's impact on younger minds is really disconcerting. I mean, you talk about uh, people being recruited and groomed and, you know, what you're really getting at is like undue influence. People don't really know what they're getting themselves into. I think he uses the exact same tactics in business for young kids. You talk about these positive things that um, he's telling them, you know, there are segments of reason and truth. No one would listen to him if there were no segments of reason and truth. That's same of cult leaders. You you say all the rational and reasonable things, you, you know, empathize with uh, their pain points, and then you offer them some fantastical solution that's very unlikely for them to get, and then you sell them on that. Um, And so I find the fact that he does that with a huge lack of ethics to be extremely disconcerting, especially for young kids, young, young boys in particular, um, who are worshipping this man like a cult leader. Uh, and 
you know, I've watched <laughs> I've watched videos of him talking to callers, uh, you know, these 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 boys that call up and be like, hey, you know, you say don't give up and don't have excuses, but my mum really like we're not doing well and my mum really needs this money this month. And they like they're on the call calling him a pussy and all this sorts of shit. And it's like, what are we talking about here? Is money the ultimate pinnacle of success? You know, are you to devalue family? You know, he's a walking contradiction. He talks about the value of family. He's hooking in, you know, the Muslim community. He doesn't have a long-term partner. He's philandering all over the place. Um, and yet, you know, he's he's uh, saying all these things with such confidence and conviction, and all that is good for is, you know, developing a following. You know, there there is a problem with being certain about the wrong shit, <laughs> you know, um, and the potential negative outcomes of that. Do we want more sociopathic narcissists climbing to the top? Do we want to groom more kids to be, um, you know, caught up in this capitalistic empty trap? Um, or do we want people who can find meaning and do well and be knowledgeable and um, do great things in the world and be successful at the same time? I don't really believe in this zero-sum game that he perpetuates. I think I think you strike me as someone who is probably very educated. That's they're my judgments judgments towards you on that. And so I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot to a more academic argument here to try and see if I can I get you there. I'm like I hear what you're saying. Um, so what about this? Tate is a symbol right now as it stands, and he is teaching us society, you, me, feminists, leftists conservatives he's teaching the world a lesson whether we are aware of it or not tate is a symbol right now that is a human manifestation of some of the problems that we see in society the treatment towards women the empty capitalism that you're pointing at he also points at the fact that this game is rigged he flaunts the fact that there are two sets of rules in this world, one for billionaires and one for everybody else. And he is the guy that somehow made his way close to that sphere of moneyed influence. And he's kind of giving us a mirror into it going, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. And it has maybe caught up with him now because he taunted the wrong government about being corrupt. But before that, he was going where he wanted, did what he wanted, treated women how he wanted. He was getting on the talk shows. And he's teaching us this one valuable lesson that I think perhaps people like you and people like me and everybody need to learn is that our hatred of Tate, so this is my pitch for you to maybe not hate Tate, is that our hatred of Tate made him. He knows that what he says is inflammatory. He probably doesn't even necessarily believe it because he just he's doing it for one reason. It's going to get clicks. It's going to get him on Piers Morgan. It's going to mainstream his ideas. It's going to do all of these things. And then he'll back paddle, dance around it and say, oh, I didn't really mean it because we just love the rage. And what he's pointing at, he's pointing at, is Tate the problem or is this algorithm the problem? Is this system that he has exploited to his advantage, the outrage of the left, the outrage of, of feminists and people fighting for equal rights, which is not a bad thing, but that outrage he takes, he fuels, and that puts him in front of people like your younger brother or siblings at school. That takes him and places him there. So there is some level of culpability of our hatred of this symbol of this man. And in a way, if I'm to get really provocative, we can almost thank Tate for bringing to the forefront of society here and showing us 
this whole algorithm is the problem isn't Andrew Tate and these kids chanting it at school. The problem is this algorithm that puts it in front of them. The problem is this algorithm that divides us. The problem is that I'm now talking about him because he's so controversial and clickbaity and all of those sorts of things. So if we're to learn from Andrew Tate, we're now learning how to have these conversations in schools. We're now learning to talk to young boys. Hey, what is, what is it to treat um, girls respectfully and teachers like that? And I don't doubt the the story that you're telling about, you know, kids t- uh, treating teachers like rubbish, you know, being a teacher myself. It's not something that I would want to see my female colleagues go through. However, maybe some statistics might be able to put your mind at ease a little bit. I spoke to a bloke from the man cave who does, goes into schools and uh, trains about masculinity and to kind of counter this Andrew Tate narrative. And 98% of kids have heard of Andrew Tate. We know that it's, it's popular. And only less than one quarter, now this could be good or bad, but I think it actually indicates good, um, less than one quarter of kids say they look up to him. Now, I wonder if there's potentially a moral panic around like everyone was like, oh, video games going to make kids violent. And now this one might be like, oh, Andrew Tate's going to make kids violent. You know, as a teacher myself, kids are very capable of discerning uh, what's helpful, what's not. Like a lot of these kids in this research that I can share with you we're saying, oh, yeah, we, we like his motivational stuff, but he's misogynistic towards women. Like young kids are identifying this sort of stuff. So he's forcing that conversation on us here now. Now, I've got, a, I've got a minute left. So I guess what I'm saying is there's something we can learn from Tate. We can learn how to re-engage with the parts of society we've condemned and ridiculed the left just makes fun of. We can learn how to address the real problems that he exposes, algorithms, capitalist corruption at higher levels that we, you know, we don't get access to. We learn how to have hard conversations. Now, um, in, in, in the fact of having hard conversations, I might argue Tate is necessary and maybe you should hate him slightly less because he's necessary, because he is forcing us, like germs build our immune system, Maybe Andrew Tate is a necessary germ for even kids in schools to grapple with these ideas and build an immune system to a lot of these bad ideas as they're going through. I'll send you a clip with my final five seconds, give it a watch, and then I'll get some feedback from you there. So that's my 10 minutes done. You've listened very respectfully. (laughs) Hey, thank you. I'll send you this clip because I think uh, it's not me talking, so I'm going to find the loophole in the rule here. You're so cute. Yeah, <laughs> and send you and send you this clip. It's just a little TikTok of like a um, a manly man. Audio listening uh, friends of the show. It's a it's a very manly looking bloke, and he's giving his opinion about Andrew Tate. And I think maybe this is some of the potentially some of the truth in in how we can use Andrew Tate and why he might not be as bad as everyone thinks. Andrew Tate. The first few times I watch some of his videos, I'm like. This dude disturbs my calm. But I came across some others. I'm like, dude is spouting straight up truth right there. There's no denying it. Then I watch some others and I'm like, man, that is stinky tofu. But then I watch some others and I learn some things. If you sit down and read a book, you will learn more by chewing on what you disagree with and working out. Why do I disagree with this so much? One of two things will happen if you have the courage to go through that process. Number one, you will learn something. Or number two, 
you will walk away much more settled and much stronger in your original belief because you put it to the test and you came out the other side of the test. If, you, if you're an audio friend of the show, he, he's this he's this country looking bloke. He's smoking a cigar. He's like the visual the visual of masculinity personified the stereotype, and he's sitting there having an opinion on on Andrew Tate there. So I guess I guess before I get uh, your your thoughts and opinions and pushback, I'm ha- I'm happy to cop it all. You were at ten percent at the beginning. Have I shifted your percentage at all to to maybe hate Tate a little bit less? I think I should give my rebuttal first before I commit to oh, a cliff- well. Can you give me like a cliff note rebuttal? Tell me the percentage, and then I want to go into detail about this stuff for the super friends of the show to to really okay. hear you break this stuff down. I'll give you twelve percent. Uh, yes, two percent. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> and this this really has nothing to do with you know. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. I've trimmed both uh, your interview and my interview. So if you want to listen to it in full and hear our respective convincing partners explain why we did convince them, <clears throat> I'm talking about myself here, why we did not convince them. We're talking about Alice. You can go to ideasdigest.org, sign up, support the show. You get that extra bonus content there. But Alice, I'm looking a bit smug. I'm looking very smug right now. As you because should. I remain undefeated. <laughs> yes, as you should. No, I can tell. That was um, the pivot. Was to, it was indeed noticeable to me, and you acknowledged it in real time in the clip. Um, you, yes. <laughs> yeah, no. I think the pivot was helpful to symbolize Andrew Tate in a way. But to me, the most bravo part of your argument is how hating him is fueling him. And so to someone like Jess, who, jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu, to someone like Jess, who does not want to see this man and his ideas continue going further to realize mm. that she's part of the fuel that is spreading his message further is a very interesting tactic and a very effective one. So I guess my question to you, Alice, is like, one, I want to appeal to the referee about you, but we'll get to that <laughs> in, a, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But do you think I, do you think I weaseled? I weaseled out of it. Like, do you think I looked at the difficult terrain of trying to justify his behavior? He's in jail right now. There's video of him literally admitting to crimes that he has been arrested for, like the manipulation where he's like, just lie to your girls, just tell them something about taxes and then take their money. I'm like, bro, that's, that's like illegal. So I weaseled out of that completely. Do you think I was just a Weasley debater guy and that's why I got the win? I don't think so. I think that there are so many layers and angles to unpacking or building up Andrew Tate um, that within 10 minutes, you approached it from the angles that would be to your best winning advantage and very successfully. So no, I don't see it as weaselly. I see it strategically. And one could argue strategy and <laughs> weaselry are very similar, but I happen to appreciate tactic and yeah, strategy. It's part of it. So it's part of it. I personally would not okay. say that's weaselly. I can understand Respect. how someone else might um, be like, no, but like you need to address like the most heinous things he's accused <laughs> of. You know, like I can, yeah. I can understand that. But for the goals of what you were trying to achieve, which is to take someone who's a very, very anti Andrew Tate and to try to change her perspective. You use the tactic that 
you thought would be the most persuasive to someone like her. And it's hard to mm. counter that the more you hate someone, the more they double down and the more fuel you actually blow on that fire. So, um, so no, I don't, I don't mm. find it Weasley at all. I think it was very, um, very effective. Yeah, that's my record. That's my PB. I'm PB at 2% right here, which, which I, I think, okay, so there's a few angles as I break down, you know, my win there. What we're saying is, yeah, you have to, we have to kind of guess where this person is and what is likely to shift them the most. I almost, and for Super Friends, as I, as, um, Jess and I go back and forth explaining different things, I almost went, my argument as, as the leftist academic, you know, ivory tower, Andrew Tate as symbol, what does he represent, you know? I almost went the QAnon route and I think I backed away from it because I thought it might be too much of a, mm. of a throw, but my QAnon route that I was going to pitch to her, and I did in the super segment to see how she'd respond to it, which was like, because it, it's, that, it's that Trump angle of like, oh no, Trump's still president. It, on, the, on the 23rd, he's going to take power. Oh no, 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 on the, on the 25th, mm -hmm. on, in, in two months. Like, oh, it's the judgment day syndrome. Yeah, yeah. So this is like, um, I almost went, okay, he's a genius that we couldn't even, we can't even recognize on the level of Banksy and Sasha Baron Cohen. Because if he's aware of what he's doing, this guy's performance art to be revered for every award he could ever get because in one man he exposed all these things but then I noticed how close that is to QAnon being like oh Andrew Tate did it because he meant to and the elites are out to get him and obviously he knows what he's doing he's exposing the corruption of the elites by almost an outsider getting into this power so I noticed how how close that argument was uh -huh. to that and I, and I thought maybe it wouldn't work so well. Uh-huh. I think you probably discerned correctly. I, I, yeah, I would think. <laughs> so then, Alice, we're in the locker room. You're in the locker room uh, post-match and your coach is yelling at you. He is like, how the hell did you lose it? That was like a six. Surely that was a short thing. Give us the breakdown of, give us your excuses to the coach. What do you think went wrong? Before we do that, I'll like build you up a little bit because I know you're about to cop some heat from the coach. Uh, I thought you're, you let him, I thought your tactic was really interesting to go, I'm going to, because Campbell did most of the talking and that's where I'd appeal to the referee being like, oh, come on. She spanned out her 10 minutes that she had in two minute increments and Campbell spoke for like 10 minutes between each one. He was a talker. So he <laughs> gave you a lot of insider info and I thought, is he going to talk himself around? Is he going to talk himself around to Alice? Because that's obviously the most potent one. If you don't have to say anything and he shifts himself, I mean, that's a level of genius. So I thought that was, I'll let the refs decide. Tell us what you think. If that's, a, if that's allowed in this 10-minute time frame, I'm like, you know, I'll, because I had to like really compress it for the, for the podcast segment. Uh, but Super Friends will hear just kind of how long that was. But I guess it's within the technicalities of the rules. But I thought your strategy was, was quite a... a, a a genius strategy when your coach is yelling at you what you, what the hell went wrong Alice yes so my coach is yelling at me what I hear this coach in my head saying is why did you not research the intellect and financial success part of Andrew Tate yes um, that's because that it. is a big part of his appeal as you brought up in your argument it's that it's I failed to take into account that 
that a lot of young men are really impressed by big flashy cars and lots of money. Duh. You know, a lot of women are impressed yes. by that too. You know, that's like why young men want it. Yeah. So uh, at least this type of, I'm speaking very broadly, very broadly. Don't at me with all your exceptions. I know they're there. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I yeah, think that yeah. that's what I, that's Broad what my brush. coach is yelling me about is that I failed to take that into account as part of a, a massive part of his appeal is that, um, I, I would wager that a lot of guys like Campbell and like some of the guys that you saw in your research do not condone Tate's more misogynistic, flat out rapist, mm. trafficky, heinous criminal conduct. Yeah. I think they are very deft yeah. at separating the good from the bad in this character whom they mm. either have some good nuggets to learn from or fl flat out idolize um, and worship. And, I, and so that's mm. the part where... Um, I could have done a much better job at presenting, uh, even just acknowledging that uh, that aspect of Tate's appeal. Um, I think uh, to what you were just saying in, in your in your um, pre-coach berating hype complimentary. Um, <laughs> I think that um, yeah, yeah. It, there were a few moments where I was watching Campbell to see if maybe he would talk himself out of it, and it's like I think I. Yeah. I think in his heart, a few percentage points dropped. Yeah, you um, reckon? But yeah. Because I think because he had not seen the footage for himself before. And I could watch his face as he was watching it. We were like mm. laughing and leading into it. And all of a sudden he plays. And all of a sudden Andrew slaps this girl and like rests her down to the yeah, ground and wails on her with a bit... belt. And it's like, it's... Even if that's consensual, it's confronting, right? It's confronting. And if you have a normal chemical makeup in your brain, which Campbell seems to, I seem to, you seem yeah. to, you're going to react <laughs> to that with empathy yeah. of like, whoa, like what's going on here? Campbell did what I thought he would do and excused it uh, initially with, um, it could be consensual. You know, we don't know. Maybe it really was consensual. Because that is Tate's argument is that it's consensual. We don't know the truth of that. In my gut of guts, that did not look consensual. Um, that was not whatever that woman consented to and being in a relationship or partnership to whatever capacity her, her connection is with Tate, that did not look like that treatment was part of the deal to me. Um, and I think Campbell knows that too. It, it is that fine line because it, you, you have this, you know, sex positivity movement that you're walking yeah. between, which is like, you know, all kinks are, I had, um, Dr. Joe Court video blew up on YouTube, straight men enjoy gay sex. And he's talking about, he's kind of being like, porn's okay, whatever you're into, as long as it's consensual. But then you watch this and then the argument that I suppose you're angling towards is like, even if that is consensual, this is a guy that gets off on this sort of thing. It, like, mm -hmm. is that... You know, but then, but then people might be like, well, don't shame me. I actually really need their consent right. to do this. But then, so it's this, it's this interesting, I suppose, it's almost as if, if there is a defense for this sort of behavior, which as I'm in post thinking, enjoying the process of going, how could I, ju how could I justify it? I think I have the justification and it's potent because it seems to be coming from the very progressive left. The very progressive left mm -hmm. that says people have kinks of all mm -hmm. sorts, mm -hmm. you know, and then, but then you've also got the same side arguing for, but porn depicts this all the time and it's problematic. So I can see mm -hmm. the back and forth there. It certainly confuses me sometimes.
it is weird because the conservative, he, they condemn it outright, but then it's generally politically more conservative people that are more okay with Andrew Tate. So it's a bit of a mess. It's really confusing as you and I grapple, yeah. grasp for these <laughs> arguments here. So, yeah. I mean, I think you did well, but, but it is, it, I think I probably, at my, my post-game match analysis, as I pause the replays and, and circle mm-hmm. objects on the playing field, I think you nailed it. I think it's like, you made a really compelling argument for the 45% that had already changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, no, it's interesting because I found out at the very end of my conversation with Campbell that for him, his 65% rating already took into account like all of the more heinous things about Andrew Tate that there are to find. And there are, there are many. So his 65% rating was not so much about Andrew Tate as a person as it was what he personally got from Andrew Tate in terms of his inspiration to be um, a a highly intellectual, successful entrepreneur with that rare combination of that type of intellect and entrepreneurship in a physically powerful, um, capable body. I think what what I got from Campbell is that he was, he's very impressed by Tate's kickboxing championship and his prowess and it, it is unusual mm. to find you know we talk, he taught he mentioned jordan peterson and certainly they're very different men um but i do see why there is some crossover mm. with their audiences because uh yeah jordan peterson he's like all intellect he's all up here you know in mind and like yeah. he doesn't look like he could throw a hard punch no offense to jordan peterson do you think intellectually dominate dominant that's how, like, Peterson, like, they like the dominance of it. Like, Peterson yeah. really, like, barrages his intellect in a, in, yeah. a, in a very interesting way. That is his, that is his punch. Um, whereas Tate, from what yeah. I'm hearing from Campbell, how Campbell perceives Tate is that Tate has that intellect punch and the physical punch. That's what I heard from Campbell about why yeah. Andrew Tate is such an exceptional figure that he would personally like to learn from and has learned from and tucked away some good nuggets. So that was, um, yeah, that's interesting to me too, because, and like how you brought up in your argument, no one can deny Tate's numbers. No one can deny his reach. He clearly is, has some mm. type of marketing savvy. Um, and and uh, mm. his ideas do speak to a very disenfranchised group of people. Um and I can understand that that double whammy, that double punch of intellect and physical prowess, why that would be so appealing to so many young men. I get it. And I also very much mm. get Campbell's ability to compartmentalize and um, and separate the good parts that he gets from Andrew Tate mm. from the bad that he would want nothing to do with and could never imagine himself really mm. doing. So that, that all makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's not surprising that I was unable to um, persuade him it would have been great to have like a little bit of a win but uh but it's it's also not surprising that it's not really not so much Andrew Tate that I hear Campbell looking up to it's what he symbolizes uh to your argument he symbolizes someone mm. that has prowess of intellect and physicality that is to be reckoned with um, yeah. He is a man to be reckoned with yeah, yeah. and I think I can understand why a lot of people want to emulate that so that's, in hindsight, you get a redemption round. You know, you get two minutes to attack where you think you would, oh you would move him. It sounds like you're saying that's where you'd attack. Is, is there anything off the top of your head in, this, in, in, a, in a post-match redemption round that you would 
um, hit Campbell again with if you're looking to attack yeah. that prowess or that projected prowess. His failure to take his own advice, clearly, because he's in prison right now for sex trafficking and rape and Lord knows what other charges. So he <laughs> cannot be one. that successful of a yeah, man yeah. if his intellect and physical prowess landed him in prison. Um, that remains to be seen whether the charges against him yeah. will be, you know, what, I don't know how, how the Romanian judicial system works. So I'm curious to see how that will unfold. But clearly this man yeah. has not taken in his own advice if he's in prison. That's the argument I would use is like, do you really want to take business yes. advice from someone who may have all these Google hits, maybe the most Googled man in the world, yeah. but for reasons like he's in prison, you know, like, do you want to take dating advice from mm. someone who admits to rape and enjoying it repeatedly? You know, do you want to take like, yeah. do you, do you yeah. see the consequences of his actions? And does that at all like change how maybe you should maybe think twice or at least two percentage points about what <laughs> type of uh, business and life advice you should be taking from a person like this who clearly doesn't take his own advice or he does and it just doesn't work. I did a quick Google just then as I'm like post-match, how fast can I, can I um, come up with an argument that is on this angle? And because when I, when I mentioned and I, was ill-prepared you might notice me falter and, and shift around a little bit I was I was saying I looked up quotes that it's like mm. and that's that was p to my point it's like people see what they see so mm. when someone who's progressive and 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 very much a feminist or for equal rights and things like that they see Andrew Tate as all of these areas but the guy like Campbell or other people mm -hmm. similar to him they see they just go inspirational quotes and they literally watch a montage of mm -hmm. the best of a the yeah. projection of what he's out there the cars the this the money all the best snippets and sure. so as I was doing it the, the attack angle that you that would be the jujitsu of what you're talking about I, I went Andrew Tate quotes and the number one that came up said Arrogance breeds complacency and complacency breeds failure. How much arrogance, Tate, did you have to have so much complacency that you are now sitting in a Romanian jail? Yeah. That would be. That's like that's the ultimate gonna failure. Be the angle. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like, yeah, you're a failure <laughs> in society if you've ended up in prison. And that's, yeah. <laughs> if, if, brutal, if, yes. uh, if you're not wrongfully accused and you're actually innocent, I should say. Depends on the country. <laughs> In this country where yes. I am, it's yeah, totally. there's a lot there to unpack. America's oh, that's okay. Let's not get into this. Yeah, but your country, on the other hand, was built and westernized by prisoners. So <laughs> look how well we did. Look at us now. <laughs> look how well you did. <laughs> so Alice, it was great playing this game with you. I would actually like to know what you really think about Andrew Tate. Mm. But don't tell me. That's for the super friends. So super friends, stick around. Alice is going to tell you what she really thinks. I'm going to tell you what I really think. And uh, everyone else, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Super friends, Alice, give me a percentage. How much are you a fan of Andrew Tate?